0: Hey there fellow entrepreneurs, if you're tired of complicated domain management, I've got the solution for you, Hover.com. Hover makes registering and managing domains a breeze. Their clean interface and hassle-free experience will save you time and frustration. No upsells, no hidden fees, just straightforward domain services. Plus, Hover offers top-notch customer support. Make your life easier, head over to foxcitiesmm.com hover and simplify your jo- domain journey today. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small, rural community of Wisconsin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. And Gavin, we're back again. Yes. Gavin actually chose to do this podcast this week, so yeah. <laughs> what do you got for us? Because it's got to be good.
1: Well... <laughs> So, we've been kind of dancing around this one, but uh, but here it is this is the uh the Wiyawiga train derailment. I was just
0: gonna say wasn't that supposed to be the next one so yeah,
1: cool um, and right up front, uh, disclaimer as as listeners know, um, I've always made a point of not going more recent than fifty years um this is a big exception to that, and the reason for that is like nobody's murdered. In this, I'm not really worried about like offending victims or worried about saying something about uh, you know accusing people of crimes. That really isn't going to be an issue in this one. So I feel confident that I can talk about something uh, much more recent without getting somebody upset about it. Always very conscious of of people and 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 the fact that even after. 20, 30, 40, even 50 years, sometimes people still have very strong feelings about things, uh, this should not should not be an issue.
0: Cause there. Were, so there were no deaths involved with this? There are no deaths. Okay. Yes,
1: there are no deaths. But or, despite that, despite <laughs> that, I still think this is a good story.
0: All right, well, take her away. I'm curious to hear this, because I really actually, I remember this happening, but that's about it. I don't remember anything else about it. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, so... To Give away our ages to people when this happened. I was 15 and you were 14, so we were definitely of an age where we were like aware of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. This is 1996, at this time, uh, federal law said that railroad tracks had to be inspected twice every week. Okay, which I thought that sounds like a lot, but that doesn't
0: sound like a lot for all the railroad tracks there are around,
1: yeah. So they came through, they inspected twice, uh, twice a week in January, twice a week in February 1996. The reports say everything is okay. Uh, On February 22nd, they did find that a rail was coming loose, but they fixed it. Everything, all fine and dandy. The last high rail track inspections occurred in the Waiwaga area on February 29th, 1996. Again... They said, you know, it's minor damage here and there, but everything is okay. Not an issue. Should be able to drive on it just fine. All right. Um, Pretty much the only thing that they did find was that the, the signal indicator was a little off. And this is the thing that, like, when you run across the rails, it tells the the lights to flash to say that a train is coming okay it was a little faulty but it wasn't like bad enough where it needed to be like emergency don't use this track
0: okay so basically what what was happening was it, the lights weren't coming on as soon as they were probably supposed to right the, the
1: connection was slightly faulty but okay um but that was about it the inspections are good just to be clear right up front this is not like they let this stuff just go to heck they they maintain this Engineer Doug Winkleman. And to be clear, I don't know very much about trains. So I don't understand the difference between like, a conductor and an engineer. A train has both. The engineer is Doug Winkleman. Uh, he went on duty at Stevens Point at 4 in the morning on March 4, 1996. Uh, he had gone to bed at 8 o'clock the night before. Uh, he was able to get six and a half hours of sleep. Not terrible. I mean, not ideal, but not terrible. He was off a total of 10 hours and 45 minutes between his last on-duty shift, so he he had time off between his shifts, wasn't overworked. He said the other crew member that day was conductor Greg 14, and there really wasn't much discussion between the two that morning. They just had some small talk, said, oh, it's it's time to go to work. (laughs) That was about it. They talked to Greg Vertine. Greg Vertine had a very similar story. He said, yep, reported into Stevens Point at 4 in the morning. Um, I had enough time off the day before. I went to bed at about 8 o'clock, same as the other guy. They both had had sleep. They both had time off. So nobody here is, like, working dead tired. Nobody here is overworked. The tracks are fine. So far,
0: everything is good. Sounds weird that there's a... Terrible train crash on this <laughs> day, yes, right
1: yes, weather conditions were cloudy and dark, and the temperature was about ten degrees, which not great, but this is early March, so no, not really out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Prior to departing Steven's point, they conducted a set and release air brake test. The brakes worked just fine, still all good. This train consisted of two locomotive units, 68 loaded freight cars, 13 empty freight cars. 28 of the loaded freight cars contained hazardous materials. The lead locomotive unit was WC 6525, which doesn't really matter. And the trailing one was WC 3003. That doesn't matter. You guys can just ignore that. I was still like really <laughs> into trains. Just ignore that. The train was five thousand two hundred feet long, it was like a mile long, and it had seven thousand nine hundred tons of material on it
0: and most most of which was hazmat
1: a significant amount yeah, oh. okay prior to leaving uh everything was uneventful, the first several miles uneventful, nothing out of the ordinary. apparently trains have things similar to like black boxes and in airplanes the, the, this is how little I know about trains. Like everything <laughs> I learned about trains, I learned in this. Um, and anybody who wants to look into this, like the reports are out there. Um, the NTSB, the National, whatever it's called, Transportation Safety Board. They put all these reports online. There's hundreds of pages about this online, mm-hmm. so, so people can check this out if they're really interested into the details, because they go into car by car, or what the cars. Names and what they carry, and all this. And, and I'm and I leave most of that out here because unless you're really into trains, a lot of like the names and numbers don't mean anything mm-hmm. anyway. But apparently, train has like a black box. Um, and it recorded that just like they said, everything was going good, the train had been running at 48 miles per hour. Um, entering Waiowiga, they were going downhill, and everything was in idle because when you're going downhill, you can run in idle. Mm-hmm. The emergency brake locked, according to the box, at 5.49 a.m. So this is when we know that the moment something went wrong. Kaya, The first 16 cars made it through no issue. The 17th car derailed. Okay. And once one car derails, everything Everything behind it is bad. (laughs) So they go off.
0: And I forget how many, did you say how many cars were on this train?
1: 68? 68 loaded, 13 empty.
0: Wow, so so the first 17 were fine, and then after that they all just went over. Yeah. Okay.
1: The derailed cars included seven cars of liquefied petroleum gas, Ooh. LPG, seven tank cars of propane, two tank cars of sodium hydroxide, Which, from my understanding, is basically like lye, like the chemical that goes into old-fashioned soap. Mm -hmm. The derailment ruptured three of the tank cars, spilling both LPG and propane, which immediately ignited. (laughs) Seven of the cars containing LPG and propane were engulfed in fire after the derailment. The conductor cut the train after the first nine cars and moved ahead a mile and a half. So, good move on his part. Mm -hmm. He's like, let's get the rest of the train out of here. (laughs) Winkleman, the engineer, said that after they stopped, which was just east of a power switch, he tried to contact Central Dispatch by radio. He yelled, emergency, emergency, emergency. He said nobody answered, and it felt like an eternity. And then a minute and a half later, somebody finally responded. Which a minute and a half doesn't sound like a whole lot, but in this moment...
0: When you're going through this, you're like, where the hell are they?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Conductor Vertine remembered walking to a police officer and informing him of the hazardous materials that were burning. He said that he thought they stopped around County Road X, which, again, I'm not really familiar with the area, but if you know Waiwega, that should mean something to you. Um, A local person gave him a ride back into town where he contacted some hazardous material people at the fire station and contacted the train's uh, vice president and general manager to let him know there might be a problem. <laughs> when the local fire crew arrived on the scene five minutes after the derailment, which, that's pretty quick, good for them, fireballs were exploding up to 300 feet in the air wow. and were visible for 13 miles.
0: Man, I kind of wish I could have seen this, because <laughs> I bet you it would have been crazy.
1: Yeah, Fires spread to a nearby feed mill and storage building um, that were both difficult to, to assess by the uh, diff, sorry difficult to access by the fire crew because the derailed train was blocking part of the the way there. High tension power lines were also torn down by the derailment, which caused a secondary issue: electrical fires. In total, seven of the tank cars of LPG and propane leaked, and two sodium hydroxide tank cars leaked. Electricity and natural gas service to 25% of the city of Guayawega was disrupted, and city water services had to be shut off because of a rupture in a water main. I'm not entirely sure how the rupture in the water main is connected to this, but apparently it was somehow. The assistant fire chief showed up. The actual fire chief was on vacation that week. So the assistant fire chief got stuck with this one. He quickly determined that the accident was beyond the scope of Guayawega's fire department. So fire crews from 10 surrounding departments were called in to help with the recovery. Between 10 minutes and one hour, which is a pretty big gap, (laughs) after the derailment, it became known to the firemen that the propane and the LPG were involved in the derailment. I'm not sure how there's like this 10 minute to an hour gap here, (laughs) but somewhere in that time, somebody told them what was in the cars. One hour after the derailment, Wisconsin Central Railroad told the firefighters that they should probably stop putting out the fire because at 90 minutes, according to their best uh, calculations, there was risk of further explosions. There was what was called BLEVE, B-L-E-V-E, which stands for Boiling Liquid Expanding Vapor Explosion. I had never heard this this term term before, before, but apparently it's a pretty standard term they use (laughs) for train derailments. And this was that the cars that contain some of these materials, they're graded to be able to withstand heat for an hour. But after 90 minutes, what happens is the gas inside it expands because it's being heated. Mm-hmm. And at 90 minutes, there's an extreme risk that they're just going to blow up.
0: So basically, any cars that might have had this stuff in it and hadn't blown up at this point, they were at their time where they were probably going to blow up.
1: Right. So up to this point, there's flames, there's fireballs, there's... This is, you know, it's not a great situation to begin with. But now, between the hour and the 90-minute mark, the firemen are being made aware that, hey, all the cars that aren't actively losing their gas already are basically just pipe bombs (laughs) like like if you're anywhere near this when it goes off you're gonna be hit with train car shrapnel you probably want to stop wow yeah so they did they 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 got out of there a city then was evacuated because if they can't put out the fire they'd be like well we better get people out of here there's a really wide margin here, too, on how many people were evacuated. On the low end, it was 2,300 people. On the high end, it was 3,100 people. They don't know exactly how many people had to leave. Somewhere in the two to 3,000 mark.
0: Did you say how far? Because this, 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 the, the actual derailment happened outside of town, right? Right. So how far outside of town is all this happening?
1: I don't think that far. Okay. I don't think that far – I don't have it with me. There's, like – there are diagrams, and it's not like they're, like, in downtown or anything, but they're still near enough to, like, buildings and – and and so obviously, It could have
0: been just, like, a mile up the highway. Right. Outside of town, basically. Right. So.
1: And the main thing here with the evacuation, I don't think the reason for the evacuation is because of the explosions and things like that. I mean, that's – obviously, that's a concern, But I think it's more because at this point, when they have to cut off the water and the electric and and the natural gas and all this other stuff, and they know they can't turn it on very soon, you can't tell people to just stay home. Right. So I think that was a big factor in this. Because of this, uh, the evacuation lasted uh, a while. Would you like to guess how long people were evacuated for? 24 hours. That's a great guess. The answer is 16 days.
0: Sixteen days. <laughs> it took them sixteen days to get three thousand people out of town.
1: No, 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 no. Oh, they were they were out, out of town. town
0: for. Okay, okay, uh, that makes more sense. No. All right.
1: No, they were able to come back in, in 16, sixteen days. days. Okay. <laughs> no, on the sixteenth day is when the final fire was put out
0: holy crap this
1: train burned for over two weeks <laughs> the weather actually may have helped the firefighters in this uh because it had been only 10 degrees and there was still some snow on the ground that may have actually slowed down the chance of the believe the the explosions you know i don't know one way or the other about that but apparently you know it's it did keep things slightly cooler the air temperature kept things slightly cooler, so I can see that that probably did help.
0: Like just a question with the with the whole believe thing. Is that how did I say that right? Yeah, I mean, just believe. How know. they they went away because they're like, okay, these things could blow up at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like like is is there anything in there about how like how long did they have to stay away? Do they stay there and wait and be like, Okay, we heard forty large explosions, all the cars should have blown up by now yeah. and go back in or, or
1: I don't think it, they explicitly said that in the report. I don't know. I almost got the impression that they more or less just let everything burn off.
0: Oh, really? Like so? After the after the, they might walked away. They might not have. I mean, they probably did stuff to like protect the area and to keep it from yeah. spreading. But then, they more or less, it was just like let it burn and.
1: Yeah, I could be wrong, but I. But that's my understanding based on the reports. And that's part of why it would take, like, the 16 16 days. days. Because I think they just weren't allowed, like, back in the perimeter after that.
0: Wow, that's crazy.
1: All right. Uh, Also on top of this, because of where it was, Highway 10 and Highway 110 were closed, along with other county roads uh, within the perimeter. And anybody listening to this should know... If for some reason you don't live in Northeast Wisconsin, um, you won't know. Highway 10 is a, is a fairly major highway. Mm-hmm. So having to reroute people from that, even if you don't live in Wyoming, is a bit of an inconvenience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it's affecting people even who don't live there. The Wisconsin governor declared the site a disaster area, and the National Guard was called in to help the city and its residents with the emergency. Uh, the Highway Patrol and County Sheriff's Department performed the perimeter security and roadblocks. Hazardous material units came from as far as Appleton, Oshkosh, and Wapaka. Wapaka's actually not that far. That's, <laughs> that's probably the closest one. But Appleton and Oshkosh are, are a bit of a drive. There were no reported injuries as a dis- direct result of the derailment or hazardous material release. However, there were three evacuees that sustained minor injuries during the evacuation. Not sure what that means, if they, like, tripped down their porch (laughs) on the way out, but it wasn't directly related to the train. (laughs) Ultimately, the NTSB determined that the cause of the accident was the switch point rail broke due to an undetected bolt hole crack that progressed from improper maintenance because the Wisconsin Central Management did not ensure that the two employees responsible for inspecting the track were properly trained. To translate that, they did these inspections twice a week, but according to the national people who oversee this, the two people who were doing the inspections, when they they wrote everything okay, weren't actually knowledgeable (laughs) enough to say that things were okay. (laughs) Uh, but
0: just, just out of curiosity, do you know this? What is it? The NSTP or whatever the N D
1: S The National Transportation Safety Board. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Is this is this like one of these organizations that's like funded by the the actual rail system?
1: I don't know if they're funded by I mean they're an actual federal agency. I don't okay,
0: know. Okay, because well, this just sounds like one of those things where where all the money that they make come from the actual rail system so they just like do things to protect the rail system because obviously then if mm-hmm. they don't have the rail system they don't exist. You yeah. know what I'm saying like it's like the fine the federal financial things that regulate the financial sure, industry sure. they do the same thing where they're all funded by the banks and it's like well they're not going to say anything bad about the banks because that's where all their money comes from. Sure. Yeah. So, so
1: I don't know very much about the NTSB. It's a it's a federal agency, and same as any other federal agency, it's you know it's a, it's a tax funded thing. It's reasonable to assume that they are sort of partial, yeah, to, to things because I'm just speculating here. I don't know this firsthand. I would. Be not surprised to learn that the people appointed to this board are people who are presidents of these, these companies. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to come down as hard. I, if that's like what you're saying, I. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: exactly what I'm saying. And on top of that, like. They're funded through taxes that are charged to the yeah. train station, the train co- rail yeah. companies. So, if it's kind of one of those things where we don't exist without them. Yeah. So, we're not going to be like, we're not going to say something to put them out of business.
1: That that could be. I don't, you know, I don't know. And I don't want to really speculate that because I, like, uh, I didn't like read into the whole history of the NTSB SP. for this. <laughs> um, I mean, and it's not just train. I mean- if, like, this, these guys are, you know, they do highways and everything else. So it's not just a train thing.
0: I, I just want to, the way I understood this is something happened in a split on the rail, on Correct. the train station. Correct. There was something screwed up, and, and basically, like, probably one of the tracks that moves over just was screwed up, and that's what caused it to, to derail. Is that kind of how you understood it as well? Yes. Okay.
1: I was trying not to use technical words because, <laughs> um, like, in looking this up, like the reason that we're doing this now and didn't do it a week ago is because I had to translate some of this.
0: <laughs> um,
1: like the part, the part of the track where like one track becomes two or two tracks become one. Right, that is called a frog. Okay, I'd never heard that term before, N- but it's nor- but in the industry, it's called a frog. And where it comes, where those parts come together as a V-shape, that V-shaped part is called a heel block. Okay. And, yeah, basically the bolt or whatever, the thing that's holding together where they're attached, that's the part that's broken. <laughs> so where the train could have gone one direction or the other, it, it missed the mark and came off the track mm-hmm. is what happened. If the track had just been straight if from from Steven this train was going from Stevens Point to Nina. Mm-hmm. If it had just been a straight track all the way, probably no issues. But because it had to have this sliding little rail part in Waiwiga, um something was cracked, didn't line up right, and it came off. So, yeah, so like I'm reading through, and they're like this, this, and this, and there are all these terms. That I'm like, I don't want to, you know, and it's not like these are like hard terms. Like they're all new to me.
0: Right. And you really don't. I mean, we've all seen train tracks, but you don't really understand how a train track really works. So it's hard to, like, read a document that's talking in very technical terms about it and figure out, okay, what are they talking about right right here and stuff so I can see how that would be.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was much simpler after, like, I really started to understand what it was they were referring to. But at first read through, I'm like, I don't know what this is. (laughs) And, like, the inspector's going through and they've got, like, these 20 things they're looking for. I'm like, I don't know what these 20 things are. So
0: and based on your description of it, it seems like this is something that should have been easily caught.
1: Potentially.
0: But it but they did well, they did kind of word it where it had started to break. I don't know.
1: It's the report indicates that it probably should have been caught, and I I don't know. I mean that's probably true. I want to believe that the report is true could also be like, hey, we got to blame somebody. Yeah, yeah. Let's say the inspectors aren't trained very well. Like, I don't know.
0: Because saying the we had badly trained inspectors is better than saying our inspectors aren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, so I I'd, really think it could have gone both ways here. Yeah, I don't
1: know. And again, me not knowing enough about train operation, I don't know where the, the weak link is in how this all operates. Anybody listening who's like really into trains is like, these idiots. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Hey, like, I don't. We,
0: we fully, fully acknowledge that we are idiots when it comes yeah, to trains. So. Yeah, trains <laughs> is
1: not something I know much. Of. I know some people are passionate about trains. I live half a block from the tracks, and people will sit out there and take photos of the trains as they go by. I think it's weird, but some people are just really <laughs> into it. <laughs> Anyway, ultimately, 20% of the city structure suffered damage, but this was mostly caused by the, the broken water pipes, which again, I'm not entirely clear how that's connected to the train, but mm. somehow the water pipes are broken. Uh, significant damage was found in 25 homes with one house completely destroyed. Oh, wow. Uh, on March 20th, so this a couple weeks after the fact, officials in charge of the evacuation disaster recovery declared the town safe for residents to return. The lead locomotive of the train involved in the accident was eventually renumbered. It was WC 6525, it became WC 7525. I don't know why you would renumber it. Well,
0: oh, I know why you would <laughs> renumber it, because you don't want everybody to be like, that's the one that crashed in <laughs> you know. But but the fact that you know the new number, yeah. now, I mean, anybody that's into trains should know that and it's being like, hey, that's the one that crashed into Wyoming. <laughs> yes,
1: but you can't do that because it's not currently on the tracks. Oh, it is now owned by the Illinois Rail- 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 Railway Museum, and it is on display there. If you want to see this train, you can go... Well, not the train, but the the locomotive. Locomotive. You can go to the Illinois Railway Railway Museum. Why is railway so hard for me to say? I don't know.
0: And where is that? I don't know. You don't know where it is? No. Oh, God, come on. You didn't even look that up? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) Nine individuals who were affected by the evacuation filed a class action lawsuit seeking punitive and treble damages against Wisconsin Central. Um, By the end of the year, 13 additional families and two businesses joined the suit against the railroad. After everything was all said and done and settled, the railroad estimated that the costs from the derailment and the lawsuit's total value of $28 million.
0: Wow. I hope they had good insurance. Yeah, I hope so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, again, like, so when this happened... I don't know if I was still a paper. If I was 15, I might not have still been a paper boy anymore.
0: I was a paper boy. I can tell you that. Were you okay? Yeah.
1: But I, but I actually distinctly remember this photo being on the cover of the paper, hmm. and yeah, so that was like a big thing. Where like even though at that point I didn't really know where Yauyos was, and it's not that far, like from where we're sitting right now, it's like a half hour. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> like. Well and that's the that's the weird thing, too, as I think I would say the same thing, like like I knew why Oiga was nearby, but had no idea where it was, yeah, so so yeah, I was like oh this this is bad, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know where this is. I just can't get over the fact that it burned for sixteen days, yeah, that's crazy, and I mean, of all the trains to derail, and maybe maybe once again, this might just be one of those things with my lack of knowledge. Of all the trains to derail, why does the one with, what did you say, propane and what was the other thing? That highly explosive chemical that, yeah. ha- it, I mean, that's half of what it was transporting. Yeah,
1: liquid petroleum yeah, um, and right. yeah, and then, yeah, the sodium hydroxide, which apparently is a very dangerous chemical.
0: Yeah, I yeah. mean, but, I, but then again, I, I would also assume that kind of stuff commonly finds itself on it finds its way onto a train because it's probably the safest way to transport it maybe yeah i mean
1: i imagine that's it's probably not as uncommon as you think because how are you going to transport it yeah Yeah. i mean
0: you can put it on a truck you could put it it on a
1: truck but you could only put one big tank on a truck
0: yeah that's true yeah interesting yeah well At least least we got a a reason why it happened on this one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to fully 100% agree that 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 reason is legit. I question the authenticness of it, I guess.
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: But at least we know why it happened. Yeah. So Yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else for this one? No,
1: I don't. Other than to say that in the last week or two, I don't know what's happened. I have found several more Story. Fox Cities <laughs> stories. Um, so I've got like at least four more that are in various stages of doneness. Well, four that are that are at least that far. There's other ones that are still what I would call stubs. that may never actually be enough to be full stories. Um, but at least four for sure. So uh, I guess this podcast is going to be around, around for, for a it. little while yet. I don't know. <laughs> just won't die.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap this episode up. We, again, thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back in two weeks, probably with a new episode. So we'll catch you then. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.